0: hello and welcome to the football digest daily today i am joined by ricky charlesworth and richard kusak to talk all things efl but specifically derby county and the situation that's going on there which is on the pitch actually going all right at the minute despite that big points reduction, uh, a draw at the weekend and a win uh midweek well, it's been a pretty positive week for them um but off the pitch things not going quite as well ricky we'll start with you um i suppose the main question i ask is what actually is the situation at derby at the minute and are we looking at a a, a Bury or a bolton situation or are we looking at something a bit more tame compared to that uh i
1: think the derby fans would obviously hope that it's it's the, the tamer end of the you know the aspect um i think obviously they've got the 12 points docked so far um and i mean obviously richard will probably have a, a bit more on the ball on this than me but you know there's talk isn't there of a, another point deduction Being in the pipeline. I mean, if that was to happen, um, you know, I think their chances of staying up would be massively affected. I mean, they're already handicapped, aren't they? 12 points. They're making a good stab of it, though, like you said. Um, But yeah, I mean, it just seems to be a day comes and it's just another off field drama. And I think the only good thing or the saving grace for them at the minute is the fact that on the pitch, you know, they're they're performing really well. Um, Best defense, joint best defense in the championship. Uh, which says a lot um, and I just think yeah I think it'd be really easy wouldn't it for players to kind of cave in and use that as an excuse to so many off-field issues um, but from the outside looking in to me it looks like they got half a chance I think Rooney's really rooney has been really confident in saying that he thinks they'll stay up if they just have this deduction you know the 12 point if it stays at that if they get any more I think he he realizes that you know that would be a massive massive ask um, so, yeah, I think it could be a lot worse. Uh, if they had a team that was shipping goals every week, then I think there would be massive worries. But I know, Rich, you'll obviously watch them a lot more than, than me or Connor. Um, do you get that sense that the, that the players are really you know, using it as a, as a motivating factor? The,
2: the way I kind of see it is that you've got these players who, um, you know, the bond has never been like this between supporters and players. Um, the Lampard season... Um, but that had its caveats in that most of the fan favourites were lone players, so mm. they went back. This time round, you notice things like Graham Shinney coming over after the Sheffield United game last month and sort of like bowing to the fans and, you know, you don't often see that from players. And Curtis Davis spending about 10 minutes after the um, Reading game in midweek last week, just clapping the fans. So going around the entire clapping the fans. I mean, most players sort of, you know, give it a little bit and go back in. But Shinney again was coming out fist pumping. And um, these little things like that, and and it's easy for players to say we won't down tools, whatever, all the rest of it. They're coming out. You can see how much it means to to the players, and um, not just in the performances, but also in the reaction as well, and and, and how they help, ha, handle themselves in front of the media, and, and what they say. And um, but I agree with every, everything you've just said, Ricky, about twelve points already being a big handicap. But this this team is 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 is, is a mid-table team, if you ask me, potentially hmm. top half, top half championship. Um, despite everything that's happened with the transfer embargo and um, how players have come in, trained and then left, Sonny Luco, Tom Carroll, yep. players, players like that, Derby have been very hamstrung in, in the window for all the reasons that uh, we've mentioned. Um, Rooney, from the day after, the day of, the Shepherd Wednesday game last season, said, look, I need this sorting out to compete. Didn't happen. The club's gone into administration. Yet, somehow, there's still this... Real air of optimism around the club that we can get out of this, but like you say, the nine points that'd just be a hammer blow yeah. because the club are still under embargo uh, for non submission of accounts Um HMRC debts, of course, as well. That's why the club are still hamstring. If the if transfer window open tomorrow, it'd, it'd be the same, the same things that um, restricted them in the, in the last market. So we we'll wait and see how that gets clear. Whether the admins take a points deduction, if they do, then I'm sorry to say, but I think that all but you know that's the final nail in the coffin of the season and that would just be an absolutely that would just be a sucker punch and anything it just the whole thing would just deflate then and, and you kind of hope as a fan and reporters you're kind of hoping that it just stays like this for a bit just let it stay like this The optimism and stuff just let it stay like this
0: what do you think you know the situation at Derby, is that have rised more from, you know, obviously the finances have been a disaster. I think Mel Morris has said they were losing, what, £1.5 million a month. But has this came on as much from the EFL um, financial fair play? Or do you think, even without that, this situation was going to happen and Mel Morris was going to pull the plug and put the club in their administration?
2: I just think there's only so long you can survive on kind of like, you know, the, I mean, look at the TV revenue compared to Premier League and the money you get in the Championship. And then it drops even further in League One. I think it's, I think the, the owner had a point earlier on in his sort of tenure at Derby as owner when he said, well, well, when it was coming out, reports were saying that, look, you know, there are some, and I hate to use the term big team, because what is a big team? Is it, a, is it fan base or is it league position or whatever? But there are some big teams in the championship who are playing games and they are not getting financially rewarded. Um, just because they play in a division below, whereas a, team, whereas a game on a Super Sunday or a Monday Night Football, that might be two teams that have perhaps a historically lower attendances or um, aren't as big a draw perhaps for the TV audience, get a vast sum more. And I think that's the problem. The finances are they're not even. And the fact that just means that owners will look to try and spend the money to get up and the problem is, you know, it hasn't been two or three years. It, it's been six years that Mel Morris has been at, at the club, and that's a long time to, you know, the 15-16 season and the money spent on Johnson, Butterfield, Shackle, and then you have Matty Vidra coming in the season after, and then you have Tom Lawrence coming in the season after that, and then Christian Bielik coming in for um, in 2019 after the um, money spent on Marriott, Waghorn, players like that who all left in free transfers in the summer. um. it's it's been it's been a long time (laughs) it's been a been a long time spending the money it just isn't it isn't sustainable but Mm. clubs like Brentford we've seen can make it if you recruit smart and you um, bring the right players in you you get a setup you get a culture established throughout the entire club you can do it and it just hasn't it hasn't worked for Derby but too much money has been spent on on I'm sorry to say but, but not you know players that just haven't haven't performed and haven't been able to. Um, you haven't been able to resell these players and get a big fee, which is what. Again, I come back to Brentford. Well, that's what they. That's how they've done it. You know, you you can't survive on this model where you aren't getting the money back.
0: Do you think, Ricky, that the the EFL should be taking some blame for this? Because th- this isn't the first time it's happened. You know, in the last few mm-hmm. years, we've seen a lot of clubs in the EFL go through this. Although maybe none quite as big as Derby, but you know, Sunderland were very close to this situation. You know, yeah. I think. Sunderland could easily have been in the, the position Darby in. obviously did fall in the league one as well, but should the EFL be doing more? You know I mean? Are they willingly just letting teams spend money knowing that if they, Aston Villa, for example, when they got out the championship, had they not went up that season, yeah. they would have really struggled to get out the, the championship. It's it's a gamble, isn't it? And they're creating this yeah. culture of, of, of essentially gambling the club's future and the hope that you might get into the Premier League.
1: To an extent, yeah. I mean, like you said, with the, the Villa example is really good. Um, you know, I think QPR, there was a similar kind of thing going on there a few years ago. So they kind of got fined retrospectively after they'd reached the Premier League. So it's like, you know, it's a bit bit of a strange one. Um, Sheffield Wednesday obviously got done. That was to do with more the, you know, to do with the finances of the stadium and the sale. But yeah, it, it, I think the EFL's rules, sometimes you have to shake your head um you know there's a lot of you know a lot of things that don't really make sense they'll find one club for certain things and then they'll not come down as hard on other clubs um but i think they are trying to change that i know the chief executive um whose name escapes me at the minute but is it uh Rick Trevor Perry, Birch sorry
2: isn't it? Rick Perry the,
1: Liverpool guy, oh, isn't it? sorry Trevor Birch the um Birch is it now yeah 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 the, i think he's the chief executive he, he came out with some you know, long-winded statement about wanting to be more sustainable and, and obviously Rick Parry's had comments as well about wanting this, this funding from the Premier League. So, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one but I think everybody knows, every club knows they've got this FFP rule now, 39 million over three seasons and if you exceed that, you know, you, you kind of know that punishments are going to come now and we've, we're starting to see that that bear fruit. Um, but it's interesting when you said about Sunderland and, and you know, big clubs falling into trouble But, you know, that's the gamble, isn't it? Sheffield Wednesday is a great example, similar to Derby. They chased the dream, they chased the Premier League, they spent bucket loads, and I mean big money on, not necessarily transfer fees, they did spend that on the likes of Rhodes, um, but like Bannon, big money, big uh, big wage, Westwood, Sam Hutchinson, Stephen Fletcher, Gary Hooper, these are players on big, big money. And after a while, when that doesn't work, that doesn't come off. Like uh, Richard said, they spend this money and then they end up letting these players go for nothing. Um, You know, that's that's the gamble they take. I love the way Brentford work. There's a lot of other clubs as well. Barnes is a good example to an extent where they buy cheap, sell players on. If they lose a player, it's not the end of the world. You know, they've got a template, a, a way of playing, and players kind of slot into that quite nicely. Whereas other clubs, you think they're just chucking money at it, and then as soon as that player goes. You know, they're kind of rushing around, you know, trying to think, oh, what, what do we do now? There's no plan in place. Um, so, yeah, I think I think we will see less clubs. When you look at the transfer window this summer, I think there was hardly any money spent in the Championship, was there? I think Fulham aside, but they'd they, they just come down. You know, there's not a lot of money swilling around. Or if there is, you know, clubs are quite hesitant to, to spend it, having seen what will happen. You know the F.L. Are, are going to come down on on teams. So yeah, it's um, it's a bit of an odd one, but yeah, I think they are trying to to clamp down on it.
0: Do you think Richard, back to to Derby now? What what's the situation with with Wayne Rooney at the minute? You know, because I mean, no, he came out and said that he wouldn't leave the club. He would, you know, stick by. What sort of a man would it be if he, if he left? The club in the situation it's in. But on the face of it, from the outside looking at it, it seems like he's doing a, a pretty decent job and I wouldn't be surprised if another club looked at him. Um, But do you think that he's going to be in here for the long haul? And by the long haul I mean, you know, even if they get relegated this season and they're in League One next season, do you still think that he'll stick around the club?
2: I think with Wayne Rooney it's interesting because people are talking about him now, like Derby fans. We're not, we're, not, we're absolutely, just to be clear, we're nowhere near like legendary status or whatever yet but if he was a man who Sticks by this club is perhaps a attractive kind of name for I mean, new owners to come in. Look and think straight away. Worldwide exposure. Look at his Instagram um, account. Look at his Twitter, his Facebook account. Look at the reach that um you know Darby had three hundred thousand followers on Twitter, oh. and um, Wayne Rooney has like seventeen million or something crazy like that. So like any every time a Derby tweet, he retweets it. I know it's it's a modern way of doing things now, isn't it? And um, so straight away you've got him He's such an asset for the club not just in terms of his marketability, but also now the fact that he's actually proving that he's, he's actually doing a really good job managing the team as well. And fans are starting to think, well, if he sticks around and he goes down with Derby and comes back up, he's like a modern day kind of like Arthur Cox from the 1980s and, you know, someone who came in when the club were in the third division, turned it round, brought him back up and eventually Derby got into the first division and then the premiership. So we're looking at Wayne Rooney as, as, as like a, not just a motivator, but someone who really seems to to get the club. He, he could have easily turned around and said, "I've had enough. I'm going." And why do I need the stress? I've got, you know, plenty of credit in the bank from a time at Man United. No one could blame him for leaving. He, he would not leave. If he turned around and said, "I'm leaving today," he'd not leave a failure. He'd probably leave a success, actually. To be fair, given that he kept Derby up and the job he's doing now, but he knows. And to be honest, it's a win-win for him either way, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Because if he sticks around. And uh, Derby go down and say, well, look what I had to do. I mean, if Derby stay up or whatever and he turns it around, he'll say, well, you know, it's 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 a real... I just think it's a really good kind of, like, relationship with the fans as well. Um, He's built that up. You know, I just think that he's doing a brilliant job. He's, he's improving players as well. And I think he spoke at length last season about there being, not being much of an opportunity for him to imprint much of the style of play because it was literally game by game trying to stay up. And this time around, he seems to have really forged... Like, you can see patterns of play developing. You can see the fact that Derby are resolute, which, to be honest, is, is not something I would have deemed a, 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 attributed to a Wayne Rooney sign either. You know, a team that can shut some other teams out and be really resolute at the back. But it just seems to have improved players, imprinted a style of play. And to be honest, it's it, it's it's looking good. as Rooney, really the manager's looking good at the moment. I can't lie. Like I said, the way he carries himself as well. He's really good with the press, really good with mm-hmm. us. Um. The fan, the fans love it. The little sound bites that come out about, I grew up on a council estate. Like I know what it's like to be to get out against the odds. It's, you know, it's 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 brilliant for fans to hear that, and he's he's doing a great job,
1: a really really good job. He comes across well as you know, as like as almost a statesman figure because that obviously he's the leader of the club, so would be. But you know, when he's talking about the um, administration, you know, I thought it came across really well. Um, you know, the fact that he, he found out on Sky, you know, stuff like that that makes fans. You know, it appeals to fans, doesn't it? Stuff like that. And I just think he comes across like you just said there, Richard. He's, people are kind of seeing a different side to him. You know, people, you know, you look at that incident that happened off the field with him before the season started. um, You know, he was criticised for that. But, I mean, you can't really fault him since then, can you? No, no, not
2: at all. I think um, he's just like you say statement is a really good way of mm. describing it. He's like the you know the the, the you know he's, he's the guy overseeing it all by the, by the sounds of it in terms of on the on the pitch and the training ground and stuff like that he's got his coaching Lee and Rosinia and actually um Rosinia was put up for press before the Swansea game and he said that me me and he said me and Wayne we can communicate without even talking to each other now <laughs> they said they've struck up that good a bond Um, he said they're both different kind of Different kind of backgrounds, different sort of ways of working, but you know we are because of, because of that we make a good team. So I thought that was really interesting as well because mm. obviously Rozinia came in when Philip Cocu came in in 2019, and you know Rozinia, bless him, has not had much of a much success at Derby for one, one reason one reason or another, because everything that's happened. So it's good to see him getting a bit of a recognition as well for the way that he's working working with the manager. So yeah, um, like you said, Ricky, the statesman is a really good way of describing. The way that Rooney's project like protecting himself at the moment as well.
0: When do you think? Well, when was it obvious to you, Richard, as as a fan that that things weren't <laughs> right? I mean, at what point were you actually worrying? Because you mentioned there, you know, twenty nineteen. I think they brought Billick from uh, Arsenal for what was it, like nine million pounds? I think for just to the top of my head, it was a lot of money. And Philip Cocu came in as well, and, and I remember <laughs> you know people were saying, "Oh, it's a, another bold decision, but it's an, an ambitious appointment." When do you think that things weren't quite right? And did you know from the the long term? Because I know I'm a Sunderland fan. and I remember Sunderland being in the Premier League and I knew that the, the cards were going to crumble at some point. We used to have conversations all the time that we knew that Sunderland were not going to stay in the Premier League every year. They always just stayed up. And when they did go down, it was going to be a disaster because they are in such debt. So it was, it, to me, it was inevitable that Sunderland were going to end up in the situation they were in. Did you think it was inevitable with Derby or did this kind of come as a, a little bit of a surprise?
2: I think, obviously, the... Um... You know i think you're talking in terms of like the performance on the pitch, or kind of like the no, I'm tra-
0: like the, the, the kind of the house of the cards off the pitch i'm talking about the the finances did you know that the situation was going to be like this eventually because i know derby's had all sorts of issues with the efl over the last few years yeah. did you think yeah. this was inevitable that it was going to happen
2: well obviously derby got charged actually got charged in january because they recorded the pride park sale in the 2018 accounts which came out i think in 20 no sorry in the 2017 accounts that came out in 2018. And then I think Derby got charged by the EFL in January 2020 last year. So, obviously, that was um, right. You know, now the legal battle officially begins. But I think, for me, the the day kind of came when Derby lost kind of like sort of four or or five of their opening games last season. And obviously, this is when the the pandemic was still keeping fans out and the nights were getting dark, were drawing in and and, uh, Derby lost four out of five and, and they were bottom of the league. And everyone sort of started thinking no this is like like this is not this is not a relegation battle is it surely and sure enough Philip Koku goes and from November last year when Philip Koku got the sack it, it just seems to have been it's nearly a year now of just like fans out of grounds watching it on streaming it on your your little room on the TV because you've been kicked out of the lounge and Philip koku has gone you've got an obvious manager in Wayne Rooney and and obviously there's not not, not much money flowing about because of the pandemic and January comes and, you, and you're scratching around trying to get loan signings in and, and you're facing a battle for the to stay up at the end of the season and that kind of for me was when I, like you say, kind of dawned on me in November last year when Cocker got the sack and you're thinking, this is not what we should, this is not how it was supposed to go. We brought Christian Bielik in when Cocker came in Um he was developing youth players as well, Lee Buchanan, Louis Sibley, uh, Max Bird, Jason Knight, all these great players who all of a sudden were being given, instead of coming off the bench or playing bit-part first-team roles. They were given responsibility of players 10 years older than them, you know, players who've been playing senior football for years and years and years. And um, So, that, that was just straight away you're thinking, well, this is going to be a real struggle. And that, for me, is when, yeah, when 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 I kind of thought we're in for it, it's coming up for us now.
0: Do you think Ricky... Do you think that Derby have a chance of survival this season? And the reason why I throw it to you is is Richard will obviously have the the spectacles (laughs) on, as every fan of a club will do. Do you think that Derby have a a chance this season? I do, yeah.
1: I think it hinges on two things. I think that's January. And if the administration issue hasn't been, you know, if the ownership issue, sorry, hasn't been resolved and they have to sell Lawrence, Buchanan, Knight, um, that's one thing. Um. Because obviously you would expect them to not be able to replace them with any, you know, other than loans and frees, which is not really going to be the same. You know, they're not going to be the same players. Uh, I think the other thing as well is the squad they've got or the team they've got is doing a good job at the minute. It's making a good fist of it. But Richard will know there's no depth to it, is there? There's no... You get two or three injuries. And I know you've already got two or three. Um, if you get two or three injuries, there's no depth. You, suddenly you've got kids starting rather than sitting on the bench so i think i think we'll know a lot more when we get to january first of all like i said how the off the field ownership issue um you know gets on and progresses but yeah i think if they have to get to january and flog i can to be honest as well how many saleable assets have you got richard other than knight lawrence buchanan are knight, the three main ones
2: Mac, max bird louis sibley perhaps as well mm. um, but then, if yeah, you do
1: sell them, you know, are they going to get replaced? I mean, That's the problem.
2: You make it, When you brought up the depth there, Rick, I just want to mention that obviously Derby, being under embargo, has still reached mm. uh, 23 players of professional standing limit. Hence, in the Sheffield United Carabao Cup game earlier in the season, um, I forget the, the lad's name, um, he was on the bench and he came on and he was like 16. I forget. Yeah. He was signed from, this is very, very unprofessional, but I can't remember <laughs> who he was, but he was signed from someone. Rooney really said afterwards, because Everybody in the, in the stand was thinking, oh, this lad must be like, you know, the next cab off the rank, the next big thing. And so he really said, sorry, but I had to put him on because he's a, he's a, he's a scholar. Right. So he doesn't count as a professional player. So the only, he, he hasn't done enough to get in the squad, let alone get on the pitch. But I've had to do it because uh, well, I can't put any players who are on professional contracts in because I've reached the 23-man limit. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you mean about, about the depth. You can't mm. bring in a player. You can't register an academy player because we've, re- we've reached that 23-man yeah. limit, which is just another. Um, highlights the situation that Derby find
0: themselves in. Okay, well, I think we could probably talk about Derby for a while, but I, <laughs> I was going to move on to some some other EFL chat. and The, the place to stop for me... Um, outside of the Derby County situation is Coventry City, who are third now. Uh, Ricky in the in the championship played Fulham at the weekend, 1-4-1, controversial game, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But do you think they've got a real chance of promotion this season? Uh, I don't think you would have said it at the start.
1: I mean, I think a lot of people actually tipped them to go down, you know, because only the second season back in the championship. Um, but I think they've surprised everyone, really. You know, Mark Robbins. I think all in, probably only now people are starting to, you know, give him the the kind of respect that he's is deserved as he deserves. Sorry, uh, you know, he's been around a long time. A lot of club managed a lot of clubs. I think he's managed Coventry at least twice, possibly three times. Um, and yeah, they just seem to be on a high. I think going back to Coventry, you know, to pardon the pun, is um, has been massive. I think they've won every game at home, certainly in the league. Yeah. <clears> at <throat> the Coventry. Is it the building to site arena or whatever it's called nowadays um so yeah i think that's a massive part and you can't underestimate that um but yeah i mean if you'd have offered them are they third i'm just looking at the table now yeah sort of, yeah three points off the top you know going into you know the october international break i think they would just snatch your hand off um and obviously they've got it helps when you've got a striker in form they've got victor joker i think he's got nine and 11. Um, he's just turned a call-up for the Sweden squad to replace uh, a certain Zlatan. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going well for them at the minute. Um, whether they can sustain it, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I mean, but you never know. We look at Barnsley last year, they got the playoffs. Um,
0: you know, so why not? What do you make of the, the penalty decision? Because to me, that was the most blatant of dives I think I've ever seen. Well, it's one of them. And
1: it's like, if, if VAR's in the Championship, then, you know, it probably doesn't even you know, doesn't even mention a talking point. But, you know, that's the problem, isn't it? With, you know, you're going to get decisions like that, I suppose. But, yeah, it wasn't a great one, was it? No, it
0: really wasn't. Um, what do you make of Fulham, Richard? Because, you know, they're a team who've spent money, a lot of money. In and I think everyone, certainly early doors was like, yep, it's going to be them in West Brom who are going to go up. And nobody else was going to get a look, and I certainly remember after five or six games that was the naive thing that most people were saying. Is everyone makes their bold predictions way too early? But four-one defeat away from home, it feels like it's it's not quite going to plan down there at Craven Cottage.
2: I'd say it's just sort of another Saturday of the championship, isn't it? Where, where sort of like these freak results just get thrown out. But I think that the problem with Fulham is I think Marco Silva's teams have always been renowned for very good. Um, in attack but defensively they they do ship goals don't they? and that's and that's that's what happens when you commit men forward and um you don't sort of look at you, you don't you don't make sure that you um you know you, you don't concede I mean I think Fulham have got a very good squad and and again this is it it's a the parachute payment conundrum isn't it where you get mm. you know it's no surprise to see Fulham West Brom and Bournemouth up there again this season and, and and Norwich going back up it's I think the championship's in danger of just becoming a Sort of like a yo-yo between three or four teams. We've got to, yeah. got to look out for that. I think that's what we're going to see. But Fulham, you know, they've got that lovely new Riverside Stand coming on, and um, lovely little place, Draven Cottage. I think they've, they've signed well. Harry Wilson as well, a player that we know really well in Derby. Top top player, and um, probably just not quite good enough yet for the for the Premiership, but Championship. He's just a, he's just an absolutely superb player. And look, how many teams can afford a um, 20 million pound striker like Alexander Mitrovic? He's just mm. again, he's another one who's. Um, you know that's I think that's probably been Fulham's problem the last few sort of seasons is they've got those players and this is again you know I know I sound very bitter but it's the chasm between the Championship and the Premiership is getting that big now that you can have these superb players in the Championship who when they get to the Premier League just for some reason or another they, they just struggle. Yeah. So that's what I think Fulham's problem is. But Coventry, I actually as part of my role in the Midlands, I went to go and do a couple of Coventry games earlier this season and I went to the Reading game and just quickly because I know we're going to move on but. The atmosphere in the Coventry Building Society arena afterwards was when Matty Gordon scored that last minute winner against Reddit. You know, the, the, the fans hung around for ages and 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 the players were um the players were applauding. It was like a, like a last day of the season, like a lap of honour sort of thing. And that's the, the relationship between the fans and um the club has never been stronger by 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 the sounds of it after everything that's happened in the past. So that's a big plus for for commentary as well, and that's why I think their home form is going to be so good because of the fans mm. are just so into it this season. And that's one thing that stood out for me was how how well the centre forwards played. Like you said, Jokeres and the week after at QPR as well, be unlucky to get a goal, and that they they kept going and kept going, and they're obviously getting getting their awards.
0: Bournemouth. I mean, we touched. You touched on them a little bit there, Richard. But still unbeaten. two-one uh, win against Sheffield United at the weekend. So a pretty difficult game. I know Sheffield United haven't necessarily had the best start, but still a, a hard game. But you know, Ricky, do you think that they're the the real deal? Because last year they, they didn't. I know they got in the playoffs, but they didn't mm. have the season that most people expected.
1: Yeah, I think they'll they'll go up. I think it's probably them, and I think even Fulham or West Brom, as, as sad that is, as sad as that is, you know, and predictable as that is, I just think Bournemouth are... When they turn it on, you know, they've not lost yet. By all accounts, they weren't great on Saturday, but they come, I think that was the first time they've conceded first as well. Um, and obviously, they came from behind in about 10, 15 minutes. Solanke's becoming lethal at this level. Um, not quite Mitrovic style, uh, Mitrovic level of lethal yet, but, um, you know, they've got Solanke, Billing, David Brooks. Oh, I'm amazed he's still in this division. I know he's had a lot of injuries, actually, but, you know, he, he's different gravy when he's on his day. Um, they've got a couple of young lads as well coming through zamora anthony who have been real you know breakthrough talents i think they're keeping um they've got a couple of new signings what they, they brought in over the summer who are being kept out of the team uh they added ryan christie from celtic i mean they're just quality all over the park and if they're not in the top two this year i think there's there's you know i'll be amazed to be honest um like i said they're, they're the only unbeaten team in the FL. um you know, so I think, yeah, I think they are as close to being searched for promotion as you can get, in my opinion, anyway. I don't know if you you agree with that.
0: Yeah, I think Philip Billings scored his sixth goal of the season. Didn't yeah. For a, you think of him as like a defensive midfielder, exactly, don't you?
1: yeah. It's not bad. If you've got that, you know, you've got your
0: defensive mid-scoring every other week, then uh, it's not too bad, is it? No. Uh, I suppose the other end of the spectrum, Cardiff City, Mick McCarthy, well under pressure, Richard, and... Um, feels to me like he's he's sort of on his last legs there. I mean I would I would always say never bet against Mick McCarthy in the championship, but it just isn't quite working for whatever reason.
2: And I I actually really like Mick McCarthy. He's brilliant in post-match presses and he's just like one of those kind of old, you know, old stages still hanging on, isn't he? Like Neil Warlock <laughs> as well. He's you know an absolute legend of the game at, at this level, certainly. But it was always um there's always a strange sort of I thought Cardiff moving for Neil Harris was strange to begin yeah. with. Remember never, never, instead of Resetting and going right, you know, let's look to the future perhaps and get someone in and let's imprint a style of play. They move him at McCarthy. And I thought that I found that odd. I mean, I can't believe he's not, I can't believe he's not, um, he's, he's not left yet, to be honest. I'm surprised he's still, still hanging on. But they just, they, but he's really, really struggling there, isn't he? I mean, I can't say I've seen much of, much of Cardiff, but I, I am surprised with kind of like, you know, the, the, the players have got the a the good ones, aren't they? You know, they've got mm. like Flint at centre back, haven't they? Yes, he's they have, yeah. He's still a top class player, you know. I don't see what I don't quite understand what's um what, what's gone gone wrong up there to be honest. But yeah, I mean I don't know what you think what you think, exactly like I say, I haven't seen much of Cardiff, but I am surprised that they have still got still held on to him, went for him well, in the first place, to be brutally honest.
1: Yeah, I think that well he's lost five on the spin. Um and obviously international break, a lot of fans are saying, Well, this is the ideal time because they've got Swansea, the next game, which is uh you know, a bit of a tasty one for them. Um yeah, he got absolute pelters the other week when he played five centre backs in a starting eleven, mm. and I think he dropped Kiefer Moore, who's obviously their, you know, their best striker. Um, that was when they got beat by West Brom four 0 So, yeah, fans weren't happy at that, and then obviously they lost to Reading. Um, again, they put up a bit of a better fight against Reading, but you know, five spin, five defeats on the spin says it all. Um, like you, I'm, I'm surprised he's still there by all accounts he's going to be staying there for at least the next game but you know they lose that to swansea that's six on the spin you many managers stick around after that do they especially if no. they lose to swansea um you know in a in a heavy fashion you know it's got to be curtains for him hasn't it
2: well i remember our uh, west brom reporter joe chapman saying after saying on twitter during the um four nil defeat on the tuesday night just gone then mm. like the atmosphere was like just horrible yeah like on not just social media but like in the ground as well, yeah. like getting 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 beaten like that. He said it he said it was just like, you know, it just felt felt grim
1: at the ground. Yeah. That's the way it's when the fans when the fans start chanting for the manager. That's it. It's it's very, very rare that they come back from that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I think as well, I've mean, McCarthy doesn't necessarily play the best football either, does he? So you you don't even have the the fallback of oh well at least the football's nice, I mean that Mick McCarthy football. I mean I I really like the club you'll place, know. But, well you'll yeah. know, won't you, being a Sunderland fan. Right? Yeah, exactly. He did very well at Sunderland, but the football was terrible, you know. That's it. It's like, you know, style of a
1: substance or you know and as well, I think he's not exactly the kind of manager that'll come out and say, Oh, you know, like kind of placate the fans, is he? I think he's very much. This is my way of doing it. Honest Yorkshireman, you know? isn't he? That's yeah, just, this is it. it. <laughs>
0: well, if you don't like it, then <laughs> don't come. Yeah, that's, that's Rick McCarthy in a nutshell. Um, Middlesbrough lost at Hull. We did mention, Richard, I think you t- touched on Neil Warnock, but um, I think we had Craig Johns on, who's our Middlesbrough reporter the other week, and he was saying that Middlesbrough season was kind of at the point where they needed a couple of wins to, to really kind of put themselves back within playoff contention, because I think they see themselves as a top... A club but lost at Hull at the weekend and you look at that and Hull have been so poor this season you think that they're probably them and Peterborough look like the two worst sides in the division for me quite comfortably um what happens with Middlesbrough do you think Neil Warnock is under pressure do you think that this could be his finally his last hurrah as a championship manager
2: again this is like an interesting situation isn't it because at what point do you decide well you know this season's gone I mean I know all you have to do is put three or four wins together in a championship, mm-hmm. and you can be either out of a relegation scrap or into the playoffs. But at this point now, do you say, look, you know, something's got, we've got to turn this season around somehow? Because Steve Gibson, you know, Borough came down, I think, in the 2017 18 season was when they got, or was it a couple of seasons before?
0: The they relegated got, 16 17.
2: That's it, yeah. And they got Monk in, didn't they? And then they got Pulis in. So they got Monk in, spent big, went for Pulis, tried to kick their way out of the division. Um, you know, kick and rush football and the purists that didn't work. And now they went for the Wolfgate and uh, you know, Gibson's track record of man, it's not been great in the last few years, has it? I mean, it's got to get the next one absolutely spot on because again, you risk lagging behind, and if you can't spend the money because of FFP or whatever, you're banking on kind of like a Neil Warnock working, working his magic like he did at Cardiff to get you out of, out of the division. And I must be honest, I didn't see this, and um, I didn't see this happening. I would say that. Normally, if you employ Neil Warnock and give him the tools, you know you should be playoffs minimum under him. Um, but is it a sign that perhaps his managers, Jim McCarthy, Neil Warnock, are they struggling to get a grip with you know West Brom, Bournemouth, Fulham? Is that kind of way of getting out of the division? Is that is it on its way out now? You know, are you going to you're going to struggle perhaps to um. To forge that mentality and get the players playing in the, in, in the way that you want to, forge, forge that kind of like get everyone on the same page and and get you get get your way out of the championship that way. I don't think um I don't think more has got long left to be honest. And I'm, and I'm honestly surprised that he doesn't just um pack it in and retire and go back down to his hat, home in, in Plymouth or, or Devon or wherever it is, because I, I couldn't blame him if he did. You know, in fact that's what I'd do now if I had the chance. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think um, him and Steve Gibson are be very, very good friends. I think that's why they he's, he's sort of sticking yeah. them out there. And apparently, his missus also doesn't like the playing like having him around the house as yeah. much. I think she quite Getting likes it when he's uh, <laughs> yeah when he when he's busy. Um, the other one I want to touch on, I was actually a Blackpool against Blackburn at the weekend. Uh, good game. Blackpool looked very, very good first half. Blackburn looked good second half, but probably a fair result. Blackpool won. 2-1 but what do you make of blackpool ricky this season do you think that they're they in the top half now They had a very yeah. slow start of the season but they've, they've picked up i think they're probably in the top six of form sort of over the last five or six games do you think that they could be i don't think they're going to get in the playoffs but do you think they're going to be in for a, a pretty comfortable season and probably you know not touching the r word quite as much yeah. as maybe people thought
1: i think yeah like you said the, the start was really slow wasn't it um I think they've won three of the last four or something like that, four of the last five. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a good winner. I mean, Blackburn, you know, immediately now you think of Blackburn, you think of Ben and Diaz, the new uh, Chilean superstar. He scored as well, didn't he, on Saturday? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a, a great result, obviously. A bit of a local derby, I, I presume, Lancashire. Yeah, know, that, no, that it was.
0: Out. I was surprised at how much of a local derby it was. Was it? There. Right. <laughs> yeah, very,
1: very feisty down there. Was it? All oh, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, Blackpool fans. I think they, you know, from the outside looking in, I would imagine they feel like they've got the club back now. You know, they're back in the championship. They're allowed to go to games. I know they had a lot of the boycott, wasn't they, with the yeah. the oyster ownership and, you know, similar to Coventry in a few in a, you know, in a similar way where the fans are back and they're kind of on side. You know, uh, like you said, I think top six is a bit. You know, I don't think they would have been saying that after five or six games. Um, but if they can stay up, it's a, it's a great achievement and. I think out of the three, Peterborough and Hull and Blackpool, I think certainly they're looking, you know, in best shape at the minute. Uh, and I think in general, I think they've probably got slightly better squad than the other two. I mean, none of them really out of all three have really strengthened. Have they Hull? I think we're under an embargo, um, so I had to, you know, similar to Derby, I had to stick to to loans and frees. Peterborough, I think, brought a couple of players in for for money. But yeah, Blackpool, I'm. I'm can't think off the top of my head of
0: any deal that stands out. It was the new players they had on display. And they bought the um, the winger from Everton, whose name has totally eluded us. I was on loan last season? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Sims, remember. Is it? Richard Keel was there as well at centre back. I think. Oh, Richard Keel, went. Yeah, you'll uh, know about him, Richard.
2: <laughs> good player, good player. Obviously, yeah, his injury, but he's a good, you know he's a good championship, good championship player. He, he, he during his time at Derby. He missed about like you know.
0: 15 or 16 games. No, he did it. I was surprised. I mean, I always thought Richard K was a bit of a a clogging player, but God, he was a (laughs) ball-playing centre-back on Saturday. It was was fantastic. Um, Well, I think we're just about out of time now, so thanks guys for coming on. It's been good to talk, good to learn from my perspective, because while I have been tracking the Derby situation, I haven't been avidly watching it, and it seems not quite as cut and dry as previous administration situations, whereby I think Wigan, when we well, were the last team out and think. oh, did they go into administration? I don't think they did. Did they? They, they just held they, off last they year.
2: They appointed a trainer, I think, didn't they? But this, this the difference with Derby is that I'm just glad in, that we've gone into administration in October and not summer yeah. or not January because you've got yeah. two months now to get it sorted mm. until the potential fire sale. And if you haven't got it sorted by January, then you know you you are starting to worry on. Yeah,
0: yeah, could be. Hopefully, hopefully get sorted and hopefully they don't fall into League One because the last thing me as a Sunderland fan needs. If we don't go up this season, there's another big club in there. You have already got Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday. You already got Ipswich. You already got Portsmouth, who hammered with four 0 at the weekend. Obviously, Sunderland them themselves are you know a bigger club. Rotherham down there, who are always coming out. So it's a it's a pretty jam packed league, League One at the minute. You, you don't need another big one. Give us Hull. Give us Peter Brown, Give us <laughs> someone else. Someone else who's uh, not necessarily a big club. But um, thanks, Ricky, for joining us. Hopefully, you'll be back soon. I think we'll try and do an EFL podcast every couple of weeks. And yeah. Richard, hopefully, this derby situation gets itself solved, and you can hopefully just just keep your heads above water come the end of the season and um, thanks everyone for listening please remember to subscribe and, and have a, a great weekend hopefully you don't miss the Premier League and the championship too much this weekend when watching England I think play Andorra. I think it's the first game they play how much